Welcome to the third episode of the Vintners Podcast. My name is Alex Zetrovich and I will be your host. It is so nice that the world is opening up again and that we have all these wine tastings and wine events that are coming up. Also, two weeks ago, we had Raw in New York, which was pretty exciting. Raw will be returning to London uh, on May 14th and May 15th. Right after, in Dusseldorf, there's Pro Wine from May 15th to May 17th. Then there's Caractair on May 19th in Bergenland, and kind of connected to that is Via Vinum in Vienna from May 19th to 23rd. So May will be a pretty packed month when it comes to wine events. Hope to see some of you there. I will be talking about a very interesting grape today, which is Romorantan, and I will have three guests joining. But before I dive into that, I wanted to share interesting news coming out of Alsace. Starting with a 2021 vintage, non-late harvest Alsace Riesling must be dry, as defined by EU regulations. According to a proposed decree agreed by a two-thirds majority of the Alsace Wine Growers Association, AVA. As per EU rules, a dry wine can contain a maximum of 4 grams per liter of residual sugar. But the limit rises to 9 grams per liter if total acidity, which is measured in grams per liter of tartaric acid, is not less than 2 grams per liter lower than the sugar content. Winemakers backed the plan at a vote in Colmar, and although it requires approval from France's appellation body INAO. The move comes in addition to the introduction of a standardized way of communicating sweetness level for Alsace AOC still wines. I think this is a pretty big move for the region, and I think it will help them a lot. Um, I know in the past there's been some confusion with the end consumer purchasing wines from Alsace, and sometimes they want a dry wine, but they get a semi-dry, and so on. So pretty excited about this. Now back to Romarin 10, which, by the way, can be both dry and sweet, or moulu. Pardon my French. Um, I have been fascinated by every single Romarin 10 wine I've tasted, which is really outstanding in my opinion. So this pushed me to learn more about the grape. I even wrote an article, which will be published on vitners.co. You can read a little more there. But for this episode, I have the discussion that was recorded over Zoom as part of the research for my article. After we recorded this, uh, and I listened, to, uh, I listened to it with my colleagues from vitners.co, we found it so interesting that we agreed to post it as a podcast. I spoke with three growers of Rummer and Ten from the Loire Valley. They are Vincent Chevrier, owner of Domaine de Montsy, Alex Jondrier, proprietor and winemaker at his family winery, Domaine de Wards. And last but not least is Simon Tessier, who together with his father, Philippe Tessier, runs the Domaine Tessier in Courchevrenie. So the discussion will begin now, and the first speaker is Alex Jondrier. So yeah, first of all, nice to meet you, Alexander. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, thank you very much also to, um, to, to focus on the, this beautiful grape, the Romorantin. Yeah. So, oh, bravo, Vincent. <laughs> so, well, what, I have to we... say, although he did help a lot, it wasn't his idea. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> so, no, no, but uh, for, for my person, um, there's two main aspects. Um, the, food, the food pairings, uh, all the possibilities, you know, to, to pair it with food, and the aging uh, possibilities and potential of the grape. Uh, meaning that you can uh, 
it evolves through aromas that are very, very interesting. Uh, it starts and for even though we are three different winemakers and uh, we do make wine of winemakers, so there's always different expressions. Uh, you, you'll find in Oro Morantins, the, um, all the taste when it's quite young, you know, of uh, acacia, a, a bit of honey, you know, a bit of um, uh, yellow plums, uh, quince and stuff like that. And then on the evolution, it always goes through uh, several faces and uh, according to the ripeness of the vintages it can be always a bit different but you you end up you know with the mixed mix of many many flavors and uh, with a bit of a hint of you know white asparagus uh, sometimes a little bit of petroleum taste but on the very good aspects of it and uh, it's very very good for foraging and for the food pairing possibilities it's uh, it's also very wide um, oh, how long you know, how long would you would you age it? Like, can it go for for a very long time, or what, what would you say? We have we have some bottles that went through a very very long time. Um, actually, it really depends from my perspective and on the menu are on the on the the vintage, okay. uh, because you need to have ripeness, but for a good aging, also you need to have enough um, acidity. Right, uh, which is good because this grape always bring a bit, I mean, more acidity than other grapes like Sauvignon, for example, and Chardonnay that we are more used to. Also. Uh, and uh, but the Romantin quite often uh, as as the the stool, you know, nice, it's rich, uh, and uh, also it's uh, it's quite high in acidity or, or low in pH. So that's that's the two main factors for me that uh, that makes it very interesting on the uh, on the aging part of it. And the potential. May I bounce on what uh, just Alex said, perhaps? Uh, I would say, I would perhaps complete uh, saying that what is very interesting uh, for amateurs uh, in Romorantin is having the, the opportunity to taste a very old uh, and rare uh, grape from the Renaissance uh, that exists only at our place in Courcheverny. So you've got only hectare, 80 hectares uh, on the planet uh, of this grape. And uh, therefore, for amateurs, uh, testing something different is always, uh, you know, some kind of Kral, uh, of Kral quest. And, uh, and apart from this, uh, it's very interesting abilities to, uh, to, to invent new food pairings, I would say, uh, because we are at the beginning of discovering what Romantin in his various styles that we represent uh, today can really uh, make uh, concerning food, and especially fusion food. Uh, I think that that's the uh, the fact that it's so rare, uh, but uh, in, in, in itself, it's an experience. Um, also, the qualities of the grape, what you described, Alex, it kind of like strikes me like it doesn't need, doesn't need a lot of uh, manipulation and stuff because with low pH, high acidity and stuff, it's already pretty stable on its own. Am I, am I right about that? Yeah, totally, yeah. Um, and uh, no, that's that's one of the um, well. The um, it's quite sensitive to to oxidation. So for us, what we try to do is, for example, not to I mean to let the juice get oxidized at first, you know, because like it's an old phrase, but it works. You know, what's get oxidized first uh, doesn't get oxidized after. 
So I mean, it helps during vinification not to add too much sulfites and stuff like that. But that's true that thanks to this pH, uh, you're you're quite you're quite easily stable uh, for the aging, and you don't need to add uh, to add a lot of sulfur. Uh, I'm pretty sure all of us are very uh, very low on this uh, on this usage of sulfur, and especially with this grape because it's uh, it's it's pretty stable with the acidity. Okay. okay. Euh, Est-ce que je peux parler en français et vous traduisez Est-ce que euh, vraiment ça... Je comprends tout, par contre, c'est bien. Alex, tu veux traduire ou traduire I can understand that he said that he understands what, what, you got, what we were saying, but he wants to speak in French because it's easy. Bah, Vas-y, je vais traduire, Simon, si tu veux. OK. Euh, non, vous parlez des, du pH. Euh, c'est vrai que c'est un, un pH assez bas. Après, ça va dépendre beaucoup des sols. Uh, the, the pH uh, is on average quite low, as you mentioned, but uh, it depends a lot about the nature of the soil you have. Okay. Nous, chez nous, uh, on a beaucoup de, de sol sableux. Hein. En tout cas, je parle pour moi. Uh, et on a des... at, at the domain, Philippe, uh, Philippe and Simon Tessier, we've got a lot of sand uh, soils. Okay. Et on a peut-être, je pense, des pH un peu plus hauts que ceux d'Alexandre. And, and therefore, you know, we may have some higher et donc on, on a aussi des, des déclenchements de, de malo de malo lactique qui se font plus facilement donc mm. nous notre style c'est chez nous c'est d'avoir un peu moins d'acidité lié au lié à la malo en fait donc mm. peut-être aussi moins de garde mm. and the, this nature resource also eases the, the start of uh, malo lactique fermentation And therefore, all style uh, at the, the Tissier uh, domain is more oriented towards uh, 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 wines uh, that are maybe uh, rounder uh, than in, uh, in the uh, two other domains, in Domaine de Mancy and in Domaine des Wars. Got it. Do you, do you Alex and Vincent, do you uh, uh, block the mallow or do you let it, let it go through? Uh, yeah, okay, I can answer. Uh, it's that um, it's... Uh, What's, what's funny is that one, one year, I remember uh, when Vitej with my dad, uh, we thought that the balance was a bit, maybe a bit too high in acidity. So in, in order to balance it, we let, uh, we let a tank, uh, we, you know, we have some underground tanks uh, mm -hmm. so that you, you have the temperature of the soil. It's always like uh, at least, you know, 12, 13 degrees. And uh, it, never, it, never went, it never started. And um, so, but in the end, by um with time it was at the beginning i was there i think it was in 15 2015 the vintage 2015 um i'm quite uh, uh i'm quite happy with the the ph we have i mean it's, uh, it, we i personally like it so it's not a problem but like simon says after you adapt uh, for example us at the vendevar because it's quite vivid when it's young uh, we like to uh, to keep the wine in the cellar a couple of years, sometimes two, three, four years before releasing it. Okay. Um, so maybe while Simon's wine are going to be easier to drink at first, uh, maybe our wines, you need to wait a little bit because when it's young, it's maybe too, um, for, for some people, it may be too, um, you know, too, um, a bit too so bright to live it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I would say that uh, we at Domaine de Monty, we are uh, a bit in between <laughs> you two. Uh, because uh, uh, and we also have uh, I don't know Simon you don't have a, a vintage of Romorantin uh, aged in wood have you? Uh, yes I am yeah. Yeah. 
So we, we share that, uh, that point with uh, the Mendemancy, but I, I do think that our wines are in between your two, your, your two, your two styles. Mm. Yeah, and just to, um, to complete on that is that, um, like Simon says, the soil are different and here we have a, a bedrock that, uh, I mean, it's, it's limestone everywhere on the estate, mm. uh, more or less close, you know, to the, um, to the floor area. Uh, sometimes it's like 80 centimeters and sometimes it's closer like to like 30 centimeters but uh it does it does influence for sure the um, the acidity and the ph of, uh, of the grapes Et moi je pense que enfin en tout cas pour pour tous les domaines qui font du romorantin je pense que ce qui est sûr c'est que ça a un cépage qui a besoin de, de beaucoup de temps d'élevage que ce soit en cuve ou en bois enfin en tout cas ça a besoin presque d'un an en, en cave et presque un an en bouteille, je pense, pour que ça commence à se livrer. Voilà, c'est un cépage où il faut être patient. Yeah. Simon just said that uh, that's right also, but from his point of view and his perception, uh, and for all producers of Romorantin, whatever may be uh, the, the soils, uh, he thinks that uh, Romorantin is, is a grape uh, that really uh, uh, necessitates some, some aging, aging in the cellar, uh, about one year, and aging in bottle. And that's right. I, I do join what what says. You know, we yourself uh, at Domaine Nancy, we all our vintages of Romorantin are uh, are raised about uh, 18 months uh, uh, on the lees uh, before being uh, put into bottles. And uh, of course, uh, um, duration about six or two one year before opening is is probably better for for, for testing you know, the, the full fruit of it. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Is, is, um, does, I mean, there's only 80 hectares, but is anybody making, uh, uh, like, is anybody growing ungrafted uh, Romorantin? So, like, a franc de pied? Yeah. Mm. Yes, Alex, you... Yeah, 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 we have, uh, we have plenty. So, we have, I, I mean, um, our oldest vine of Romorantin is uh, 100 years old, but it's not, it, it's grafted, you know? So... Yeah. To look to look at that aspect, but right now it's still not a success. So I'm 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 quite uh, I'm not very talkative about that. But it's, um, we did planted um, a plot of uh, non-grafted uh, Romorantin in uh, 2016. Uh, but we are being bothered. We are being currently bothered by the phylloxera. So that's why it's still not a it's still not a success. Uh, we are working on that aspect by flooding flooding the plot with water, you know, uh, just after harvest. Uh, we, we started last, uh, last fall. So it's too soon to, to see the, um, the effectiveness of it. But um, already it seems interesting. And something we didn't mention, by the way, about Romorantin. Uh, that's why I'm not very talkative about this project. We do have the project. We are very happy to do that. Right now, it's more, uh, it doesn't cost more money than it brings uh, nice results on the, uh, on, on the taste. But, uh, you know, it's too, it's too see. Uh, but anyway, a Romorantin, to have a good Romorantin, you need, uh, and I think Simon and uh, Vincent can say so, but uh, you kind of need uh, old, uh, old root system, you know, uh, old vine, quite old vines. I mean, in the first years, it's, uh, it's more superficial, even the taste. Uh, it's more simple. It's nice, but it's more simple. Uh, and then it gets more complexity, but when the vines uh, are getting older. Okay. Et juste pour revenir au phylloxera, euh, moi j'ai le projet l'année prochaine d'en planter en franc de pied, mais sans, sans inonder la parcelle. 
c'est dans des terres vraiment très sableuses pour le coup. Mm. Je vais en planter so, peut-être 20, 20 arts, quoi, voir. Mm. So, uh, Simon has got the, the project to plant some uh, ungrafted Roborant uh, next year, uh, but without the need to, uh, to flood the parcel, uh, because he's going to plant them in very, very sandy soils. And so uh, I was just I was just interested um, to see if if you know anybody who has it and like kind of like to compare it. But uh, it's yeah. I mean, this is not a this is a, a topic for for a different discussion. Um, uh, do you do you think that that uh, um, Roma and Tongue can like spread and like be planted in some some other areas? I mean, Like to me, for for whatever reason, when I drink Romorantin blind, sometimes I the my mind takes me to uh, Jura or Savoie or like places like this, and and I don't think I don't I often when I drink Romorantin I don't think of Loire, <laughs> um, which is you know my my ignorance not not because Romorantin is not Loire I'm just kind of asking, do you think he could have success in, in some different areas? May I speak first? Uh, I think that from the point of view of an amateur, from, from which you are, you are, you are talking, uh, uh, it's indeed uh, a very fresh, uh, well, this grape gives very fresh wines. And that's why it reminds you some wines of the Jura and Savoie, Atabata, Uh, planted at, at a higher altitude than fresh, than but it always has like a, a grip that I get from the, the the wines from these areas. That's why I'm that's why I'm saying. Anyway, you're speaking about the granularity of uh, the feeling in mouth, or exactly, the, exactly. Yeah. Yes, that, that's right. That's right. Um, I I do think that uh, well, perhaps from the technical side, I will let uh, uh, Alex uh, complete what I said. But I, I do think that. Uh, You know, everybody uh, interrogates itself uh, regarding what grape to plant uh, uh, in relationship to the global warming. Um, perhaps the freshness of Romorantin is an advantage uh, to be considered uh, in this uh, whole scheme. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure it's, 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 it's a grape that, uh, that could be uh, Uh, adapted to very hot climate, for example. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, um, the yeah, it, I don't know. I mean, you could uh, you could have it tried, but uh, the 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 main aspects also of the Romorantin that effectively it reaches balance uh, when it's ripe, uh, and some like you always have a quite a high acidity, but also a alcohol level that can, that can go up like quite fast. So on that aspects, uh, the I would say yeah for the sun and for everything like that you have to be very careful uh, because if it goes too high, you know you 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 lose your balance and then uh, you're gonna have very like pretty much difficulties to uh, to make it uh, fermentate with the natural yeast. So, um, but after I have some uh, tell you the truth, I have a friend for example. Um, I don't know if you know the. The, I haven't tried his, uh, his Romantin as they are very young. Uh, he's in Vaqueras. It's uh, Le, Le Sang des Cailloux. Uh, Serge oh, yeah, Ferrigui. Yeah. I didn't know he had some Romantin. You know? No, but yeah, I, I gave him some Romantin because he wanted to have it you know, in his backyard to, to try it. 
and uh, and 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 we'll see. I'll be happy to to try some of these Romorantins. And I think you have Nicolas Gonin. I think Nicolas Gonin has some Romorantins also. Uh, I'm not. Uh, do you know him? Yeah, yeah. No. Gonon? Yeah. From from the Rhone Valley? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Because he's looking, you know, this guy is always looking to ampelography and all the grapes and uh, stuff like that. So, but uh, for, for on, on the main, I mean, on the perspective to make wine and a very good terroir wine, that, that's a sense with the place and stuff like that. I'm, I don't have much of a, it, it's, I, I guess it's a bit more appropriate to the Northern region or maybe in altitudes, like some Savoie and stuff like that. Because uh, for the origins, you know, it's, it's from Burgundy um so yeah it was quite happy in this uh you know type of climate like us even though we're a bit less continental and more scenic you know um, more influenced by the ocean but i don't know simon ouais moi je voulais juste dire un, euh, deux trucs donc euh, par rapport à la comparaison avec les vins du jura euh, on a souvent cette euh, des clients qui nous qui nous disent ah, ça me fait penser à un savagnin par exemple après, je pense que c'est en partie parce qu'il peut, c'est sensible à l'oxydation. Donc, c'est vrai qu'il peut y avoir euh, des fois des petites notes oxydatives légères qui peuvent faire penser à ça. Et puis, d'autre part, c'est un cépage, je pense qu'il y a en fait un blanc qui a des tanins, qui est assez tannique. Et ça donne une bouche euh, avec des, aussi, ça participe aux amers un petit peu. Et je pense que c'est lié au savagnin aussi. Enfin, euh, c'est assez proche dans le style. C'est pour ça que ça fait penser au Jura. So Simon adds that uh, yes, some, some clients of him uh, uh, often tell him yeah, that that uh, Romorantin can can make them think about Jura wines and especially about Stavania. Uh, but he, he thinks also that uh, this is due to two reasons. Uh, the first is that, as Alex mentioned, you know, Romorantin can be sensitive uh, in some kind of oxidation, and so therefore it can relate to the experience. Uh, of, of, of Jura wines, but also because uh, Romorantin is quite a tadic uh, grape variety, and therefore um, it can also relate uh, in, in some ways to, uh, to, to the experience of Savagnin test. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very well explained. It's basically why, probably why, why it takes me there. Um, talking about tannins, you and I actually didn't talk about this, Vincent, and I, I'm very curious uh, because I thought of this. I have never tried anybody, um, I, well, I've never heard of anybody tried to make Romorantan with longer maceration. So like a skin contact, is yes. that because of the tannins or, uh, or is somebody? Simon can talk about it first. Okay. Yeah, yeah, du coup, je, nous, on essaye depuis, euh, depuis 4 ou 5 ans de faire des, des longues macérations en amphore euh, géorgienne, en kevri. Et donc en égrappé et euh, des macérations de six mois. Voilà. Et donc effectivement, c'est là où on trouve vraiment le côté très tannique du Savagnin, du Romorantin, justement. Et, euh, et ouais, vraiment, c'est très intéressant. Quoi. Très intéressant en, en, du skin contact comme ça, plus ou moins longtemps. So, so Simon says that uh, at the uh, domaine uh, they are trying, uh, they've been trying for the last uh, uh, five to six years. Uh, to produce some uh, maceration uh, vintages uh, of Romorantin. So uh, it is fully egrapped. How do you say? Well, well we, 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 uh, distilled. Uh, how do you say? Distilled. Distilled. Okay. 
treated and uh, uh, and the maceration is uh, processed uh, during six months in uh, Georgian amphoras, yeah. uh, so Febris. Yeah, yeah. It gives a very interesting results uh, for, for to, to be honest. So you've 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 all tasted this wine? For sure, many times, <laughs> several times. I like <laughs> it very much. Are you happy with the results, Timo? Yes, but uh, we have to keep it uh, two or three years in bottle because it's really tannic uh, at the beginning. Um, so, so does the grape itself have thick skins? The the quoi? Pardon. Ah non, le c'est un cépage qui a une peau très fine, très très fine. Mais, euh, mais ça a peut-être des tanins aussi dans les pépins, je pense. Euh, je ne sais pas. Dans, dans la peau aussi, mais euh, les pépins sont assez gros et assez, euh, assez amers. Il n'y a pas beaucoup de jus dans les, dans les, dans les baies aussi. Mm. Donc, il y a un rapport jus-peau qui est différent. No. Mm. No, Simon says that uh, the tannicity of, uh, of, this, uh, of, the, of the wines don't really Uh, essentially comes from the skin, which is uh, thinner than some of the grapes, but more uh, from uh, the, uh, the nuts uh, of the grape. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, because also the, the, the relationship between the nut and the, the, the flesh of the grape is, uh, is lower than in, in some of our uh, grapes, meaning that you've got uh, less, less grape for, for bigger, uh, bigger nuts. So this uh, can partially explain why there is this uh, tiny side of, of this, uh, this uh, great variety uh, and the wines, of course. That is, that is very interesting. Um, uh, very, very cool. Um, you all grow other grapes, right? I, well, I know, I know uh, Vincent and Simon do. Alex, you also have other grapes, right? Sauvignon and... Mm. Yeah. In comparison with all these other grapes, How is Romorantin easier to grow? What what's do you like it more? Do you dislike it? <laughs> you know, what's your relationship? Yeah, well, so effectively we have um we have some Sauvignon, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir and Gamay, uh, and Romorantin. The so you have some some pros and cons. Um, for example, the some uh, aspects that you have to be very careful is that the Romorantin uh, at some time. Uh, it's very fragile. For example, the shoots, you know, when the shoots are, are getting out uh, in spring, um, they are, I mean, when they are small, it's fine, but there's just one, uh, just before the, don't say that in English, the palissage, you know, when we, uh, we're putting the, sh the shoots uh, inside the, um, the, the rail. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, like a rail. Wow. Uh, it, Yeah, and if 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 you have a, a big uh, a big wind at this time, you know, we, big wind blow, uh, you can lose a lot a lot of the yeah. shoots. And on the shoots, you can have you know, on each shoot you have one or two grapes, and then you can lose a lot of uh, a lot of production. That's a that that's one of the worst thing with Romantin, and it's crazy. It goes like this: choo, choo. <laughs> you see, you see, you see your your yeah, you see your harvest potential go away. Uh, you want to cry? Uh, yeah, well, that sometimes it happens. And that's very tough. But uh, other than that, it does. Uh, it's less. Um, it's less uh, concentrated in terms of shoots. You know, it's a. Uh, it's a more balanced uh, vine. I mean, I mean, vine. There's less. Uh, lower. Yeah. Sorry. 
the yields are lower. It produces less than some other grapes. I, it depends of every year. I don't, I don't see much of a difference on that, on that aspect. Uh, but it produces less uh, vegetation, you know, you, less green part. Right, so right. It's, uh, on this aspect, it's a bit easier, I guess, to work. But it can be more sensitive sometimes to, uh, to, uh, to, to rot, especially to rot up to the up, up to the botrytis, you know, to harvest. And what's more difficult is that it's funny because the Romorantin, uh, the, the vegetation cycle, uh, it starts a bit before the Sauvignon, but you harvest it after. Oh. So, so in the end, the time it's outside, it's a bit longer. And the longer it's outside, the, the, the higher is the risk, you know? And um, yeah. And, and then you, you, you need to be ripe to harvest. So sometimes on the toughest year, it's very complicated because you have the, the rot that's coming, especially the botrytis uh, or some rot even before. And, uh, but you're still not ripe. So you cannot, you know, you cannot harvest it. So that's where you have to choose that you have to, to put some grapes down, you know, to, to favorize the ventilation and stuff. Pour ajouter, pour compléter ce que dit Alex, um... Ça a aussi des, des... Alors, c'est très sensible au, au botrytis, ouais. Enfin, pas le bon, mais voilà. Et en tout cas, euh, effectivement, euh, lié aussi à la peau qui est très fine, quoi. Et, et après, aussi, il faut faire attention parce que ça fait souvent des, des feuilles assez grandes. Et justement, ça peut vraiment... Euh, même s'il n'y a pas beaucoup de végétation, ça peut étouffer euh, un petit peu euh, les raisins. Et euh, voilà. Après, euh, l'avantage aussi, c'est que c'est résistant au mildiou. Ça prend pas trop le milieu ni le idiom. Ça, c'est le gros avantage aussi. So Simon says that uh, uh, you mustn't forget also that the skin is very uh, thin, but it's thinner than other grapes, and uh, the leaves of Romorantin are larger. And, and therefore, uh, it, can, it can be really sensitive to botrytis. But on the other side, on the other hand, it's less sensitive uh, to, uh, to mildew, for example. Okay. So there, there are some pros and cons. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, comparing it to, to other grapes, do you, um, do you prefer it? Or do you, you like all the grapes like your children? They're all the same. <laughs> no, I, we, we always tend to say, you know, we, we love all of them and stuff like that. That's for sure. And otherwise it would be complicated. But uh, personally, I must admit, I, I do love Romantin. Totally fun of Cool. Uh, let's say well, I, share, I share with you, you know, it's such an exceptional uh, uh, great variety, you know, it, it's our identity, in fact. Uh, so, of course, we, we, we tend to, to give a lot of attention to our Romorantin. Uh, even if some, some of the grapes we grow, uh, just like Pinot Noir, uh, can, 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 can really uh, request much more attention uh, than Romorantin. And, of course, or make, uh, make the most of our reds, as, uh, as you know, the Chevalier appellation is in majority Pinot Noir. Right. I, so, so let me put it this way. If you were given five hectares now to plant, would you plant it with Romorantin or would you, or would you do a mix or what, what would? Romorantin. Uh, Uh, I will say that we, we plant every, every, every year, we, we replant uh, some, some parcels. Uh, I would speak for, for myself at, uh, at Domaine de Moncy. We tend to have a balanced approach uh, between all our grapes. 
but with uh, with with uh, a little bit more romorantin in, in the plantations that we do because we believe uh, in this in, in this uh, great variety and we believe uh, that there is not enough romorantin in the world for all the amateurs that uh, we want to taste uh, this uh, this wine and our wines and therefore we we are really, really strong supporters of uh, of romorantin plantation and uh, and expansion uh, in in our in our areas okay um last question then i'm gonna let you go and uh vincent and i uh spoke about this the name of the appellation core Cheverny is is very confusing because of the appellation next door right which has nothing to do with it would you like to change the name or how or what what's what's your take on it mm. <laughs> it's a, it's a now it's a bit tricky yeah um i mean <laughs> for, for sure for sure it's uh it's something i mean uh since i'm uh, old enough to you know to to think uh it's 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 obvious there's a confusion um but What's complicated now with the time that passed uh, is that it's been more than 20 years we're using Courcheverny and uh, a big part of the job has been made to explain. Uh, but still, you have newcomers, you know, new, uh, new people who, who don't know either of it and, uh, and, and they get lost. So um, for sure, we can, we, 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 we might maybe, um, we could do better by changing, but also uh changing for what name mm. and something that makes sense you know you need to have the sense of the place and uh, right that's the issue it needs to be a name of a village you know in france the all the aocs are named of villages yeah yeah simon ouais c'est une question qui a été évoquée euh, dernièrement dans, dans dans des réunions entre vignerons mais pour l'instant on a comme dit alexandre on n'a pas on a, on, faut pas qu'on change de nom euh, sans qu'il y ait une histoire ou quelque chose qui soit qui puisse expliquer ce changement. Et pour l'instant, on, on est face à une impasse parce qu'on n'a pas de, on trouve pas de d'un nom intéressant quoi. Mais c'est vrai que c'est c'est assez confusant quoi. Enfin, pour les amateurs, je comprends. Hein. Cheverny, quand Cheverny, ça, je pense que ça ça changera. Mais quand, je sais pas et pourquoi, c'est difficile. De savoir de dire. Simon just said that uh, at this stage uh, we know there is a confusion and we are deeply conscious of it, but we uh, didn't find the perfect match uh, for an alternative. Uh, but we are still actively thinking on it. Um, for myself, uh, I, I would say that uh, uh, my, my wish and our, our, our interest for sure would be um, perhaps to facilitate the comparison of the difference of the product. Uh, because Romorantin only exists uh, by us. And so uh, we are in a situation where uh, Cour Cheverny has got uh, a very close similar name to Cheverny, whereas in fact it's not, it's not the same wine. And uh, the paradox of the application is that we can't use the name of the grape on the bottle, because in the French law uh, you uh, only have to, uh, uh, to put on the label uh, the appellation name, so Cour Cheverny. Uh, and so it's not a very satisfying situation, you know, for, for consumer information and for the, the identification of the, of, 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 of the product. 
uh, and uh, and therefore uh, I would myself wish uh, that uh, that a solution may may, may be found um, uh, quite soon. I mean, <laughs> in, in the bygone time, uh, to 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 get a, a clearer uh, appellation name uh, for our our products. So, so you're not allowed to put uh, Courchevrenie and then underneath Romorantin, like they do uh, Bourgogne Chardonnay or Bourgogne Pinot Noir? Or... Exactly. So, so you cannot? I can't. We can't. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. Well, that... yeah, these are the things to rethink, I think. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I, I think uh, in Burgundy, they, they do it, definitely. I don't know, if, but Sancerre, Sancerre, they just put Sancerre, even for red and white, I think. Not sure. Well, anyway, um, now we just need to uh, make more people drink this, and then uh, more people will plant it and make it. <laughs> I'm sure of that. And uh, we, we will be very happy, you know, to, uh, uh, to, uh, to, to provide uh, to provide. Uh, our products to uh, to American consumers and all the people around the world who will get uh, lucky uh, to to see this video and to to read your paper, Alexander. Well, um, I hope I hope it's success, and I, I hope uh, you all you know have have a good year. It hasn't started yet, but uh, in in a couple of months you're gonna you're gonna start. Hopefully, no frost. <laughs> yes, yeah, we hope That's so. <laughs> and, That's the subject. Uh, I, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you. So this was the discussion, and I thought that was uh, pretty interesting, and I really hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you again for joining and for listening to the Vitner's podcast. Uh, my name is Alex Zetrovich, and I will be back with some more discussions. The next episode will be on hybrid grapes or the peewees, as they call them in uh, Germany and in some parts of Europe. Uh, and I really hope that you will enjoy that one as well. Until next time, enjoy some good wine and stay safe. <laughs>